Okay, we are continuing together our study in chapter 31 of our Confession of Faith that deals with the state of man after death and the resurrection from the dead. Now, we have spent quite a bit of time dealing with paragraph 1, which dealt with the state of bodies and souls of men after death. And um, the reason why we spent quite a bit of time there is because there's quite a bit of information there. And um, we talked about the state of bodies after death. We said that death is uh, caused by sin and death is the separation of the body and the soul from one another. And we said that the bodies uh, return to dust and see corruption. The souls uh, are eternally conscious and they go back to God um, where God makes a determination as to whether they're righteous or whether they're wicked. If they are righteous, then they are perfected in holiness. They dwell in paradise. They live with Christ. They behold the face of God. And they look forward to the day when their bodies will be redeemed and reunited with their souls. The wicked, on the other hand, are cast into hell. They remain there in torment and darkness, also awaiting the resurrection of their bodies and their final disposition uh, in the lake of fire. And we said that beside these two places, there is no third alternative. So everyone who dies, their, soul, their bodies universally go in the ground, their souls either go to heaven or go to hell, where they are consciously awaiting the last day. And the last day is what we come to now in our study. Um, you'll notice if you have your outline that I gave you, uh, the first major point is the state of the bodies and souls of men after death. And the second major point on the second page is the state of the bodies and souls of men at the last day. Now, <clears throat> The Bible makes it very clear that there is a final day. This world and this earth and humanity as we know it is not going to just keep going on and on and on and on without end. There is an end and it is the end that God has appointed and that he has ordained. And so there is but one last day, and it is when Jesus returns. It is the end of time, the end of the world, and the end of all people and, uh, who have lived upon it. And so it's important for us to understand that history is moving towards a consummation and a conclusion. The end is coming. Now, people say, oh, well, when is it going to be? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> God knows, nobody else knows. And anybody who says they know um, is wrong. And the reason why they're wrong is because Jesus says, no person knows the day or the hour, only God in heaven. And so when somebody says, I know it's going to be, you know, December of 2012 or whatever dates people come up with, um, they're always wrong. And uh, 
God is, has concealed that date from us so that we do not know what it is. Now, uh, we do have indications that it is approaching. There are certain things, and we're going to see those, especially when we get into chapter 32, um, that are signs of the imminency of the end, notably the appearance of the Antichrist and those types of things. Uh, and we'll look at those when we get into chapter 32, which deals with the last day. Uh, but what we're talking about here in chapter 31 is what we call personal eschatology. That is, what happens to individual people, uh, not only when they die now, before the end comes, but then what happens to them when the end does come? when the last day of earth occurs. And there are no more days. Eternity is ushered in, and that's it. So uh, people are all worried and whacked out about, you know, taking care of the earth uh, and the resources on it. It's got to be sustainable uh, into the infinite future. And uh, while I'm certainly in favor of conservation of resources and... and uh, and godly and biblical management of the earth as a stewardship, uh, the earth doesn't have to last forever. It's not going to. People say, well, what's going to happen when we run out of oil? Um, you know, either we'll come up with some alternative supplier, there's enough oil to last to the end. Um, you know, we're not going to run out of what we need to have before we run out of time. So I don't know if it's going to be uh, 10 years from now or 10,000 years from now. But what I do know is that there is very clearly an end point to this world. All right, now read together with me then paragraph 2 of our Confession of Faith. It says, at the last day. And that's what I've been talking about. There's coming a last day. Such of the saints as are found alive shall not sleep. That is, they will not die. Death is pictured in the scriptures as sleep. And if you've been to a funeral, and I'm sure virtually every one of you have, when that person is lying there in the coffin, they look like they're asleep. And that's why death is called sleep. Another reason why it's called sleep is because death is temporary for everybody. Um, all those bodies are going to awaken again in the resurrection, either to the resurrection of life or the resurrection of damnation, but they're all going to wake up, every one of them. And so that's why the term sleep is used um, for those who have died. All right, so paragraph two, at the last day, such of the saints, notice the people under consideration here, the believers, as are found alive, shall not sleep, but be changed. And all the dead shall be raised up with the selfsame bodies, and none other, although with different qualities, which shall be united again to their souls forever. Now notice paragraph 3. The bodies of the unjust shall, by the power of Christ, be raised to dishonor. And the bodies of the just by his spirit unto honor and be made conformable unto his own glorious body. So the point is, is that those who are 
Christians who are alive when Jesus comes back will not go through the process of death. They will be instantaneously changed. They will get their resurrection bodies without ever having to be resurrected. They'll just instantaneously have their bodies transformed into resurrection bodies without going through the process of death. So the living saints will be changed. All the dead will be resurrected. The bodies of the unsaved will be raised to dishonor. And the bodies of the saved will be raised to honor. Well, let's look at some passages then that deal with this subject and attempt to understand what happens to individual people at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now it says, At the last day, such of the saints as are found alive shall not sleep, but be changed. Let's turn in our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're going to look together at verses 50 and following. 1 Corinthians 15, 50. Now here, Paul says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That is, the body you have right now, known as flesh and blood, cannot exist and is not suitable for living in heaven. Um, You know, it's just like the body that a fish has is not suitable for living on land. It's not cut out for it, can't handle it. And if it were to try to do so, what would happen to the fish? It would die. And in the same way, we cannot, in these fallen sinful bodies, just step into heaven the way we are right now. We would perish. Now notice verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why? Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Now you have a body right now that is corrupting and corruptible. It's gradually going downhill, it's breaking down, it's getting old, it's sick. Plus, on top of that, it's sinful. And heaven isn't any of those things. And that's why the sinful body, the fallen body we have right now, is not suitable to live in a place that's sinless and unfallen. And so, something has to happen. Here's what happens, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. Now, the reason why this is called a mystery is not because it's spooky, but simply because it's something that has not been revealed before. Anytime you run across the word mystery in the Bible, it's talking about previously unrevealed truth. Here's something new. Here's something that previously was hidden, but now it's revealed. That's all the word mystery means. He's showing us. He's revealing us something that previously was hidden. All right? Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We, speaking of us Christians, shall not all sleep. 
but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So, when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to have victory over death and victory over all of the effects of sin. Now let's go back through the passage, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. He's saying we're not all going to die. Some of us have died, but some of us will not if we're alive when Christ comes. He says, we shall all be changed. That is, all believers will be changed. They will all get on a resurrection body. But those who are alive when Jesus Christ comes back, they will be changed, verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That is, it's going to be so fast you won't be able to see it. One instant you will have the body you've got right now, and the next instant you will have your resurrection body. It'll happen so fast it'll be unobservable. Just boom, and it's done. Now, when is this going to occur? Well, it tells us at the last trump. The trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So whatever this last trumpet is, when it sounds, all those who are dead in Christ are going to be resurrected and get their new resurrection bodies. And those of us who are Christians who are alive at that time will be instantly changed so that the Christian dead and the Christian living will all get their resurrection bodies at the same instant. And that will occur when the trumpet sounds. Pay attention to that. When the trumpet sounds. It's going to be an important thing because we're going to see that in several other passages. And of course, the trumpet is going to sound when Jesus comes back the second time. Uh, as he's coming from heaven to earth, <clears throat> uh, there's going to be the blast of a trumpet, an audible noise, and everybody on earth is going to hear it, and it's going to be the announcement, folks, this is it. It's over. It's the last trumpet. It's time for everybody to move out. Eric. Is the last trumpet the last day the same? The last trumpet heralds the last day, and the answer is yes. Yeah. So we see there's going to be a general resurrection of the uh, believers who have died. And there's going to be a transformation of the believers who are alive. And all of this <clears throat> is going to result in the fact that dead shall be raised incorruptible, verse 52, 
and we shall be changed. Now notice the necessity of it, verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Why? Because for several reasons, one of which we've already said, you can't go into heaven in a fallen body. And number two, that is the completion of your salvation. Because when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die just to save our souls. He also died to save our bodies. Because we, as humans, are a soul-body unit. And if we are to be saved, all of us are to be saved, both our soul and our body. So that's the reason why it's so important that Jesus was resurrected from the grave, because that's the proof and evidence that we are going to be resurrected from the grave. I mean, if the body didn't matter, he could have died on the cross, his soul would have went to heaven, which it did, and the body could have just gone in the grave and stayed there forever and just rotted away like everybody else's does. But the fact that God resurrected that body and it was reunited with the soul of Christ and as a body-soul unit, he um, appeared to his disciples and he goes through all eternity that way. That's what's going to happen to us because whatever happens to Jesus happens to us. Okay. So, <clears throat> those who are alive when Jesus comes back will put on this incorruption. And when that happens, verse 54, uh, so when this, in other words, this, this corruptible must put on incorruption because that's the conclusion of redemption and that prepares us for entrance into heaven. Now verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality. And see, that's what happens is that when you get that new body, you become immortal. You can never, ever suffer death ever again, which is separation of the body and soul. Uh, immortality means incapable of dying. And of course, Adam and Eve were not immortal, were they? They were capable of dying, and they did. And we are as well, but we won't be. Because when you have the complete eradication of sin from your soul and from your body, and a complete incapability of ever committing sin again because you're confirmed in righteousness, which is the fruit of redemption, then there's no possibility of death ever occurring forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever, and ever without end, which is the best news we could possibly ever hear. <clears throat> so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 54. And so death is the last enemy to be destroyed and it will be destroyed. And that's what Jesus came to do is he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. The thief comes not for to kill and steal and destroy. But Jesus says, I'm come that they might have life and have it more abundantly in John 10, 10. Well, um, Christ came to defeat death and death will finally be destroyed when the resurrection occurs. And after that, there won't be any more death. Now, right now, death does exist. The sting has been removed because of the fact that we have the hope of resurrection. 
but is still very painful for us, and in that sense, the sting is still there. Notice what he says, <clears throat> that it is when death is swallowed up in victory that the sting of death is going to be removed. He says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? In other words, the grave isn't going to win, and death is going to cease to hurt emotionally, physically, mentally, any way. The sting of death is sin. When is sin going to be completely eradicated? At the second coming of Christ, at the last trumpet. That's when the sting will be finally, fully, and completely gone. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through the Lord Jesus. How did the Lord Jesus get the victory? He fulfilled the law, didn't he? He fulfilled all the law's claims for obedience, and he fulfilled all the law's demands for the punishment for its violation. Okay, So Jesus has fully defeated sin in terms of its forensic consequences on the cross, and he will... Uh, secure that victory in terms of our personal experience uh, at his second coming. So therefore, verse 58, we can be steadfast and unmovable and always abounding in the work of the Lord because we know our labor for the Lord is not in vain. We know that we will share in and enjoy the triumph of the gospel. So when our confession says that the last day such of the saints as are found alive shall not sleep but shall be changed, this is the passage that that statement comes from, and this is the event that will occur to us. Are there any questions about this passage? Roy? So in that passage, we're saying Christ comes for the second coming, and basically in a twinkle of eye, will be changed. That is the answer to Hebrews 9.27, where it says... Um, each man is appointed once to die because basically he's coming and at that point in time he eliminates sin so therefore man isn't appointed to die. That's correct. That's exactly right. Yeah, because it says it's appointed a man once to die and then the judgment. Well, once the judgment occurs, there's no more death after that because, that yes, that's correct. Any other questions? It's a good question. Thank you. All right, let's turn to the parallel passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Okay, and we'll look at verse 13. <clears throat> 1 Thessalonians 4.13, Paul says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Now once again, the term sleep here is used for dead people. Okay, And he says, I don't want you, brethren, to sorrow over the dead believers in the same way that the unbelievers sorrow over their dead. 
Because when an unbeliever dies, their unbelieving friends are grief-stricken at a very profound level because they have no hope of ever seeing that person again in any kind of state of happiness. Because they don't either, either they don't believe in life after death, which of course doesn't negate it, or they know that because this person was unsaved that they're in hell. Um, they really have no hope regarding a reuniting or a resurrection or a happy eternity. Uh, they are just without hope. However, for us, when, when those that we love who are believers die, yeah, we miss them and we shed tears and we sorrow, but we don't sorrow as people who have no hope. Because we have hope. And what is our hope? We're going to be with them again in short time. Now he goes on and explains that. Verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Do you believe that? Did Jesus die and raise again? You see, that's the ground of our hope of resurrection and reuniting with other people is the fact that Jesus faced death and conquered it, and triumphed over it, and that his body was resurrected and reunited with his soul, and he has an incorruptible body now that can never die again, or be sick, or, or have pain, or sorrow, or any of that. And he, in that body-soul unit, is suitable for heaven. So based on what happened to him, we have hope confidence that the very same thing will happen to us. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the foundation of all the rest of it. Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, when you're saved, you're brought into a union with Christ. You're in Christ, right? Well, when you die, your body is still in Christ. It's still in union with Christ. And if you have died in union with Christ, then we have the hope, it says, those who sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, who's coming back? Answer the question, who's coming back? Jesus, right? Is the Father coming back? And what do they call this person who's coming back here in this verse? God. Very clear declaration of the deity of Christ, is it not? Very clear. God is going to bring with him the souls of all those who died. So here's your loved one. And they're a Christian. And they die. What happened to their body? Went into the grave, didn't it? What happened to their soul? Went to heaven. And they're with Jesus now. Well, when Jesus comes back, he's going to bring all those people with him, all those souls with him that are now in heaven. I mean, heaven has like got millions of, of disembodied souls of Christians in it right now. Well, Christ is going to empty that place out, round up all those souls and say, it's time to go back. And he is going to come back to earth and they're coming back with him. That's what it says. 
Verse 14, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God, Jesus, bring with Him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede, the the King James says prevent, it's an old English word for precede, or come before, those who are asleep, that is, those who have died. Here's how it all works, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the what? Have we seen this before? We're going to see this again. Pay attention. The trump of God. That's a significant phrase. And with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Now our time is gone and we're going to spend more time on this next week. But here's how it works. People die who are Christians. Their bodies go in the grave and their souls go to heaven. We're still alive. Jesus decides now's the time to come back. He gathers up all these disembodied souls in heaven and he comes from heaven to earth through the air. Okay? Through the the, the stellar heavens and down through the air. And, And when he gets to the earth's atmosphere, there's this big trumpet that sounds. And everybody goes, what's that? And they all see Jesus is coming back. Okay? Well, at that moment... All the dead bodies of all the believers that are with Jesus rise, okay? And those souls are joined with those bodies. And then we're instantly changed. Now we're like them. This all happens in a flash. And so their body-soul units with incorruptible bodies... And we're body-soul units with incorruptible bodies. We're all redeemed fully and finally at the same instant. And then we'll all be caught up off the earth to go up and be with Jesus. So the church will be completed with him. And then together with him, we will come to the earth and usher in the final judgment. So that's how it's going to happen. What's fascinating is this word to meet the Lord in the air. We're going to talk about that word next time. But if you have some curiosity about it and some resources, look up that word meet and discover the definition of it and the other places where it's used in the Bible. And it's only used two other places besides this one. And what it means is it's a word that's used to go out to meet an approaching dignitary that's coming to the city and then travel with him back to the city in a triumphal procession. So the idea that we would be caught up in the air with Jesus and then go away for seven years and then come back. 
is simply not contained in the text, nor is it a biblical doctrine. So we'll talk about that more next time, but pay attention to the last trump, and you'll see that um, when the last trumpet sounds, that isn't something that occurs seven years before the day of judgment. That's something that ushers in the day of judgment. And therefore, the rapture takes place at the same time as the day of judgment, and there's no seven-year period between them. Anybody hate me? Um, well, we'll talk about it next time. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for the hope, the blessed hope we have that death is not the end and that this world has an end and that at that end, Father, death will be swallowed up in victory, that we will receive incorruptible bodies, that our loved ones will be resurrected with incorruptible bodies as well. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Father, thank you so much for these promises and this glorious hope and this optimistic future that we have to look forward to. Jesus is coming again. And when he does, we will receive the full experience of the salvation that he has purchased for us. Thank you for that blessed hope that death is not the end, but rather a doorway into the blessedness of heaven where we await the final resurrection. Father, we look forward to this day with anticipation. Father, we're glad and to be done with the thorns and the thistles of this life and to move on to the next. Hasten the day of your coming, we pray, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.